Welcome to another episode of the Part-Time REI Podcast with hosts Eric Hitzelberger and Brian Snyder, creators of the Lunchtime Profit System and the Part-Time REI blog. If you are looking to learn how to take control of your financial future by investing in real estate in your spare time, this is your premier source of information. All right. Thanks for joining us. Again, this is Eric Hitzelberger and Brian Snyder of Part-Time REI. And we are here to share tips and techniques to help you move your rehabbing business to the next level. So let's go ahead and get started. Brian, how's it going? It's going great, Eric. Thanks. We want to thank everyone for their support and for taking time to join us on the show today. Brian and I are excited about our new podcast series, and we're looking forward to growing this show into one of the premier real estate podcasts out there. Last week, we discussed the myth that you have to have a lot of knowledge to start investing in real estate, um, specifically flipping houses. Hopefully, everyone who listened to the show now realizes this is simply not true. Today we're going to tackle another myth, that you have to have a lot of money, specifically cash in your bank account, to start flipping homes. You know, So in today's show we're going to talk about how to finance the deal and teach you several methods for financing your fix and flip deals uh, with very little of your own money. So do you think this is a big issue for investors out there today? It certainly is, Eric. In fact, this is one of the biggest misconceptions out there today with new investors, thinking that you have to have a lot of cash before you can flip houses. Not only are new investors unaware that there's several options available to them for using other people's money to finance their deals, but I've also discovered through mentoring some other investors that people often have access to money that they didn't even know about. They just weren't thinking about it broadly enough about the different sources of funds that were available to them. You know, Brian, just a quick funny story that we're talking about this today. We were at uh the local RIA meeting the other night and someone came up to me and was talking about not having money. You know, he was a wholesaler and he has been trying or he was trying to do wholesaling for, for quite some time. He's got a full-time job and it's just not been working out for him because he doesn't have the time uh, to go run to people's houses when he, when he needs to. Uh, so it's been a challenge and he actually really wants to get into flipping, but, but this was his exact issue that he didn't have enough cash to get started. So can you expand a little bit on that comment that people you know, have access to money that they don't even know about? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I hear that same thing all the time, Eric. You know, and it, uh, It's natural to think that, but uh, once you start diving into it, you realize there, there really are sources of money out there. So, for example, uh, if you have a day job and you have money in a company-sponsored 401k, a lot of people don't even know that you can borrow money from that 401k completely free of charge. There's uh, often no fees or any penalties for doing that. And uh, the, the great thing about it is it doesn't even show up as a liability on your credit report. So you know if you go to a bank and get a, get a traditional loan, that gets recorded on your credit report. But if you borrow from your 401k, it's sort of like taking money out of your savings account at your bank. It does not get recorded. And so that's, uh, that's a source that often people don't, don't even know that it's there. And uh, others I've talked to have actually told me that, you know, after they started talking to their friends and family about the fact they were interested in getting started in real estate and just having general conversations with people and telling people about what you're looking to do, they discover that people they've known for years, it could be close family members, close friends, they discover these people have actually money that they want to invest and they've been looking for a place to invest it. They're very unhappy with the you know the less than 1% return rate that they're probably getting out of their savings account or the CD at the bank. And they've been seeking a place to put their money and, and get bigger returns. And so it, it's a 
it's uh, an opportunity kind of right under your nose, and you don't even know it's there until you start talking about it. Great, Brian. I mean, certainly uh, I have a 401k or I had a 401k, and, you know, the returns that I was getting for that were, were you know, minimal uh, most years. Um, some years, obviously, it, last year was a particularly good year, but that, that was not representative of the, you know, long-term investments. And being able to take some of that money out, borrow it, um, you, you do pay a very small interest charge, but you're paying it to yourself. Um, so, you know, you're still growing your account uh, even while that money's out of it. And then you're earning additional money on the money that you borrowed. So, so it is a great way to get started. Thirdly, Eric, probably the simplest example of all of these is, again, if you have steady income, you are a great candidate for financing from your local banks and mortgage companies. You know, the important thing to remember that a lot of people don't think about is banks only make money when they lend money. So they are looking for people just like us who have reliable income, we're very lendable, and we need financing to fund whatever our business ventures are. So often people think of banks when they walk into a bank or speak with a banker that they're having to, you know, that they're asking for a favor or they're they're having to convince that banker that they're worthy of being lended to. But the reality is is that you're presenting an opportunity to the bank. You know, the bank makes money when they lend money. So you are an opportunity for them. They need your business just as much as you need their support. So it's important to think of banks that way. Now, those are three great points, Brian. You know, 401ks, borrowing from friends and families, or, you know, borrowing from a bank, especially if you have a a full-time job, you know, something that you have W-2 income or 1099s. Um, You know, as as long as you're not in a, a purely cash business, um, you know, selling drugs on a corner or something like that, you can probably, uh, you know, get a loan a lot easier than what you might think. I mean, I have certainly used all of those. You know, the 401k is great. You can you can borrow, you know, I think it's up to $50,000. And like you said, there's no penalties and fees. And, and while your money's out, you're actually paying yourself interest back into your 401k. So you're making money on the, the uh, interest payments that you're putting back in there. And then you're making money on your money while it's out. So it's a great way to build your retirement accounts. Um, you know, friends and family, like you said, a lot of people, you know, have, have, aren't satisfied with their investments and are looking for ways to, to grow their own pile of gold, so to speak. And, and helping you out um, can, can be very beneficial to them. The point you made about banks is also excellent. Um, the, you know, the media has presented this picture that the banks aren't lending to people. But, but that is absolutely not true. I mean, we, there are banks, especially local banks, and I, I think we'll you know, get to this in a little bit more depth in, in a few minutes, but there are certainly local banks that are willing to give you money that will fund um, the purchase and the rehab. So, Right, that's right. Um, you know, going back to uh, 401ks, um, for that matter, a self-directed IRA is, is a spectacular way to lend on, on real estate as well. But, uh, you know, some people think that there's, this is a bad idea. You know, maybe their financial advisor told them not to borrow money from the retirement account. You know, what are your thoughts on that? You know, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I, too, used to feel exactly that way. Um, we're taught by our, our financial advisors or some of the, the basic, uh, you know, advice from mom and dad or grandpa and grandma is, you know, you don't touch that money in your retirement account. It's, it's there for your retirement and I, I actually agree it is there for your retirement, but I disagree a little bit that you can't touch it. You know, I really had to shift my mindset before I could wrap my head around this. You know, again, I had that same mental objection, but 
uh, I had to start thinking about money as being a tool to generate more money. Um, and that money there in your account, uh, most some don't know it's accessible. Once you learn it's accessible, it's, then you sometimes have that mental hurdle of, well, I shouldn't touch it because the, you know I'll miss out on the the, uh, the growth opportunity, that money, and it's it's just not true. Again, the hesitation comes from the fact that you just might miss out on that on that growth opportunity. I would argue, though, that you're missing out on an even bigger growth opportunity by not buying a house to flip. So what do you mean by that? I mean, I had I had good returns on my 401k last year. Now, that was not true, obviously, three years ago, but, but right. last year was a good year. You know, so how do the numbers work out that you can get an even, even bigger growth on your money? Well, sure. So the numbers just work based on the return on your capital when you're flipping a house, right? This return on your capital can be significantly higher than the ROI you're going to get in your 401k. You know, historically... Stocks and mutual funds, they've averaged maybe somewhere between 8 to 12% ROI over time. Certainly some years are better, as you, as you alluded to. Uh, and then a few years ago, they were much, much worse. You know, I personally watched my company-sponsored 401k get cut in half. Uh, I spent 15 years building it up, and, and in three or six short months, it, it was cut in half. So one of the beauties, though, about real estate is you can borrow most of the funds needed to purchase and rehab the house. I think you talked earlier, you know, your local community banks, they will lend not only on the purchase price, but also additional money for the renovation cost. So the beauty of that is, is that you have very little of your personal capital invested because you're able to borrow to purchase that asset, which in this case is a house. Uh, you know, I'm not aware of any instances where you borrow money to go purchase uh, stocks and mutual funds in your IRA, right? So the return on investment of your personal capital can be extremely high. It's not uncommon for the ROI to be well over 100% uh, in a flip house because, again, a small amount of that's your money, a larger amount of that's the bank's money. So you're making over 100% on your personal capital. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's an excellent way to look at it. I mean, it is a terrible, terrible idea to take money out of your 401k or your retirement fund to go buy a TV or take a vacation or, you know, even furnish your, your house or your, your, you know, your personal living residence. Um, that is not what that money's for. You do need to look at that money as, hey, I'm trying to fund my retirement and how do I grow it? And I think the point you made about letting your money make you more money is excellent. So if you're earning even, you know, I, I think we were close to, you know, 15 to 17% or something like that, you know, last year, even if you're earning returns like that, or, or you know, you're doing even better, um, you need to sit there and look and say, okay, well, if I, I leave it in here, I'm going to earn, earn this amount. If I take it out, I can earn, you know, this amount by flipping houses and, and to the point that you can earn over 100% in a very short amount of time. Uh, it, that is nearly impossible to beat in any other manner. Right, and you know, something I forgot to mention is you're, the idea is that you would take this out for a very short amount of time. You know, maybe it's out of the account for five to six months, just long enough to purchase the house, complete the renovations, flip it, sell it. Uh, when you have your payday at the closing table, you can put that money right back into the, to the uh, 401k or the IRA. Again, no penalties to do such and you're right back to, um, to the balance you were at before. So it's a great short-term way to do that first flip or that second flip until you can build a nice foundation of cash. And then after that, your business becomes self-sustaining. So it's important to note that you're not taking it out forever, 
like some of your financial planners may fear, but yet you're borrowing it for a short term and putting it right back in. Okay. So let's talk about, you, you mentioned local community banks a couple of times. Uh, let's talk about that real quick. Now, I know my very first house, and this was in uh, 2007, my very first house, I went into a bank and they gave me, um, the, the house that I was buying was $56,000 and the repairs were going to be in the twenty dollars to $24,000 range. They wrote me a check that day for $80,000. So I left the closing with the deed to the house as well as $24,000 in cash. Um, so my return on that house was actually infinite because I had zero dollars invested. Right, right. Now you can't do that any longer, but there are still banks that are willing to fund, um, you know, purchase plus rehab. So go ahead and tell me, you know, how you find a bank like that, and you know what what kind of terms you're looking at. Sure, sure, yeah. So um, you you said the word community bank or small bank, and I think that's important. You know, this is not a strategy you're going to walk into a. Uh, a Wells Fargo or a Chase bank, you certainly might be successful doing that, but um, it's probably a lot more work and effort than you really need to bother with. You know, look around your town for some of the small community banks, and um, this is the bank where, you know, the the president of the bank sits right there at the branch, the, the loan officer sits right there. You can go in and build a relationship with these people. You know, you can certainly offer to take the the uh, loan manager to lunch and talk about your business model, talk about how they can help you finance those deals. You just want to use a bank that uh, typically they hold these loans in-house, so they're not selling these loans on the open market like the larger banks are doing, and they have a lot more flexibility to uh, to loan to you. Now, you, you talked about that great day several years ago when you could walk in get a 100%. Uh, I do think that that's uh, rare or even non-existent today. I don't think you're going to get 100% of your purchase plus your rehab costs, but you can certainly, it's very common, you know, we do this in our business uh, every day, to get maybe 15% down payment, you know, and that's based on the purchase price plus the renovation costs. So, uh, again, my personal capital is in it for 15%. The bank is in it for 85%. And, and again, we, that's one of the reasons why the return on investment is so high. One approach that works well is you can call the bank and just ask a simple question of, do you have a renovation loan product? You know, this is a, a product that's well known in the banking industry. It's designed to uh, enable you to purchase a house that needs significant repairs and renovation. And uh, it's often referred to as a construction loan sometimes, but essentially it is a loan product designed to uh, enable you to purchase and rehab the house uh, with, with the bank's money. No, that's a great point, Brian. The um, you know certainly those products are out there. You do, and it just takes a phone call to to find them. Uh, and a great place to try. You know, you can ask other people at Aria or ask builders because mm -hmm. those are the same. Those people are looking for that same type product all the time. And tying back into the four hundred one k conversation we were having a minute ago, there's a great place. You know, that fifteen percent that you have to come up with. There's a great place to get that fifteen percent from your from your four hundred one k. You know, another place to possibly get the 15% or possibly even the whole loan uh, was, you know, one of the sources you mentioned earlier, and that's private money loan from, from friends or family. You can certainly partner with them on a deal. So tell me, you know, how do you go about doing that? Sure, yeah, great point. I mean, um, like I mentioned earlier, when you start talking with friends and family about what you're doing and, and uh, getting into to flipping houses, certainly... Um, you know, some will have reservations, others will be very intrigued. 
And I think this is just an opportunity, again, where as you become educated um, and as you explain the loan products that the banks have, uh, it becomes very understandable to someone who has no knowledge in real estate that, hey, there's products out there, there's uh, systems I'm using, and I need this small 15% you know, to get this deal going. And uh, so I think this is just an area where you ease the, the friend or family member to the fact that this is not rocket science. This is not some you know, crazy high-risk thing that I'm out doing. I'm actually you know, plugging into a, a known system, and I'm using a loan product at a local well-known bank in your town there that your friend or family member probably recognizes. They can walk right into that bank with you. And uh, certainly they can feel more comfortable about uh, that their money is going to be put to good use. And there's no special um, ways you get this or, or contracts or forms. This is simply a, a, you know, a personal loan from a friend or family member in the real estate industry. This is often referred to as private money or private money lending. And now, you know, the only caution is you want to be careful on how you advertise or how you promote this. Um, you know, it's one thing to talk to friends or family, but if you get out there and you start you know, trying to pool money together or something like that. Uh, there are SEC regulations in effect, uh, so you want to make sure you talk with your attorney and, and understand those. Absolutely. Um, and you set up your, your the structure and the way that you borrow the money, you know, properly. Absolutely. And then, you know, beyond friends and family, as, as we start talking about getting out of that, you know, your immediate circle, there are people out there, investors, who just lend money, right? And they lend money specifically for... Um, renovations, they um, short term, you know, anywhere up to 12 months or 18 months. Um, and they're looking for people like you, people who want to start investing in real estate or people who have uh, some experience, perhaps. Um, and, and those are generally called hard money lenders. So how do you find a hard money lender? And tell me how the terms from a hard money lender differ. Uh, and that experience differs a little bit from from private money lenders. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So the 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 primary differences between you know we talked the, the first one was your your local bank then you kind of move into private money which is friends and family and now we're talking hard money lending is the primary difference is the the objective and or the collateral of the lender you know when you're dealing with a private money lender a friend or family member they're really lending to you as the person they very likely don't have knowledge in real estate they maybe don't have the ability to assess whether or not it's a good house to buy or a good deal on that property but they trust you and they're lending to you as a person a hard money lender really is uh, an experienced lender an experienced investor and they are loaning based on the property, based on the asset itself. So they have a skill set that enables them to determine that it is a good deal and that there's good equity in that house. And so they're lending on the fact that if you as the person don't perform, uh, they're okay with uh, reclaiming that house or reclaiming that asset as collateral for that loan. And so um, it can be, as you get more advanced in your business, it can be a very, very powerful tool to have these uh, hard money lenders because, again, if you find a good deal, they're going to lend to it because that's their criteria. It's very simple. So um, now, in return for that, you are often going to pay slightly higher interest rates. You're often going to pay maybe a couple of, of points up front. A point is just a, a percentage of the loan amount as a fee up front and a slightly higher interest rate. And you often may have a shorter duration on that loan. I think, Eric, you talked about you know 12 months, 18 months, something like that. You know, Maybe your friend or family member is willing to 
to let you take longer to pay them back, and the hard money lenders typically want to be uh, paid back sooner than that. So other than that, most of the mechanics of it still work the same. You obviously want to uh, speak to your attorney about how to uh, structure those contracts, but fundamentally that's that's the difference is lending to you as a person versus uh, lending to the property itself. Yeah, those are certainly good points, great points actually. You know, as far as the hard money lenders and the length of time, the the goal, of course, for any rehab is to, you know, get the thing bought and rehabbed and sold within three to six months. So that 12 to 18 month limit uh, from a hard money lender, you know, hopefully doesn't come into play ever. Right. Um, and then, you know, the next thing uh, that I think of when I, when I look for, uh, look at deals is, you know, if, if you just have no money, no money at all, and you don't have, you know, that 401k or, or even that W-2 income to, to draw off of, um, there are, you know, the reality is um, couple, last couple of years have been hard on a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so, there, there may have been events in their lives that, that caused problems or, or make them difficult to lend to from a, from a bank perspective. Um, and they don't have that cash, cash on hand because they needed it just to you know, kind of live for the last few years. Um, what other way is out there for, for that person to say, look, I have a deal, um, I, I can do the work, and or I know how to get the house from from the point that it's in now to something that someone wants to buy and is willing to pay good money for, you know how do I how do I get this under under contract so that I can move forward? Right. Well, that's a great example because I think that exists um, you know more nowadays than maybe it did before, just due to uh, due to the financial situations that a lot of people are in. But one technique that's uh, commonly used in real estate investing is just what we call equity partnering. You know, essentially what you just explained is uh, the definition of, of an equity partner deal. You have one party, which is the, the investor, the house, the house flipper, if you will, the, the person that has the knowledge to find the deal, to uh, secure the contractors, uh, get the renovation completed, and then you know, hire a good real estate agent to sell it. Uh, they have all those uh, attributes, but the one thing they lack is the, the money to make the deal happen. So enter the equity partner who maybe doesn't have the knowledge to find or renovate a property or more likely just doesn't have the time to dedicate to uh, finding properties and renovating properties. You provide um, you know, a great partnership for them because they can bring the money to the deal. You can bring the knowledge and time to the deal and together um, you both can achieve uh, both of your goals. So the equity partner will typically fund sometimes 100% of the deal. And you as the the house flipper need zero money uh, for the purchase or the rehab. And in return, they take a percentage of the profits when you sell it. And this can vary anywhere from, you know, whatever you agree, quite frankly, but it can be anywhere from 30%. I've heard things like 50%, you know, just depending on the deal. But, you know, and a lot of people kind of take a gasp of air, right, when they hear 50%. Um, of the profit, but again, you have to think about that in terms of would you rather have a hundred percent of nothing and lose that deal, or would you rather have fifty percent of something and a lot of times, I know a lot of us would like to have fifty percent of something because if you have no money, you can employ this technique and you can do that first deal, which will put some money in your bank account, which will enable you then to go do the next one. No, that, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about deals here where you can make 
10, 15, 20 thousand dollars, and sometimes even more, depending on the area of the country you're in. Um, and, and having half of twenty thousand dollars is still a really good day. That's right. Um, you know, as an investor, the the question you need to be asking yourself is is how do I? You know, how do I get this money? If that if that is the one thing holding you back, sit down and you know, hopefully Brian has shared several different ways, and I've used every single one of them. I, you know, I've gotten loans from local banks. I've done private money with friends and family, I've used hard money lenders, and I've done equity deals with people. Um, and, and so sit down and look at your particular situation and, and say, how do I, you know, how do I get this money? Um, I heard a story once about an investor who went real estate, agent, uh, real estate agency to real estate agency looking for someone to partner on a deal because they had a good deal. Agents, you know, understood intuitively how good that deal was and they didn't have to go very far in order to find the deal. So keep that in mind. You know, again, your goal is to figure out how to make money, how to let your money make money, and how to act like an investor. So hopefully this conversation has given you some insights on how to accomplish those two goals and dispelled the myth that you have to have money to start flipping houses. You know, um, thank you for being here again, and we will see you again next week. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Part-Time REI Podcast, your premier source for investing in real estate in your spare time. Check out our blog at parttimerei.com. That's P-A-R-T hyphen T-I-M-E-R-E-I.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter for exclusive tips on achieving success through real estate investing. If you would like a free copy of our property repair estimate checklist, go to part-time rei.com.